0: If you don't feel happy right now, having that money won't make you feel happy because you're searching for something outside of you to make you feel happy. You need to find that inside of yourself first. Welcome
1: to On Your Terms with Erin King, a show about living a life you truly love. Here's Erin. Well, friends, we are living in an era of blurred boundaries and blurred boundaries can exacerbate burnout. If you have been sprinting and trying to keep up with hustle culture, or if you're just finding yourself seeking out some major self-care or soul care, this episode is for you. My dear friend, Jen Gittimer is one of the leading experts when it comes to how you can better cultivate an abundance mindset. She teaches soulful, mindful selling. She is an absolute gem when it comes to her manifestation courses retreats. Her podcast Breakthrough Babe is one of my all-time favorite. She is a true community builder and is so plugged in to not just the breathwork grounding woo-woo, but serious sales strategies and just ways that you can really begin to expand not only your business, but also those personal and emotional breakthroughs. So this episode is for you. If you have been looking for any of that, friends, without further ado, please welcome my dear friend, Jen Gittimer hey friends Erin king here and welcome to today's episode of on your terms today i have one of my dearest friends that i have known for so many years now which is crazy after i cold emailed her off the internet and begged her to have bagels and coffee with me in charlotte north carolina before i even wrote my first book That's how far back this chick and I go. I adore her energy. She comes and visits me in California, although it has been way too long since she has done this. She is a best-selling author. She is a phenomenally prolific podcaster of two podcasts, both the podcast Sell or Die with her fabulous husband, Jeffrey Gittimer, and she also has a podcast called The Breakthrough Babe, which has an incredible community of female entrepreneurs that use her sales strategies to go from where they are to six and seven figure business owners. She's all about soulful selling, intentional living, and she is fresh from a life-changing retreat in Sedona, Arizona, one of my favorite places. Friends, please welcome Jen Gittimer to the show. Hey, hey, I'm so glad to be here, Erin. Jen, it is so good to see you. And I'm so jealous that you were just in Sedona. I was telling you, I had my bachelorette party there with my 10 best girlfriends. And there is just a special vibe there. Tell me more about what went down out there in the desert. Well, what happens in the desert stays in the desert.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But um, no, it's the most magical powerful place. And they say that either Sedona welcomes you and you become even more powerful or it chews you up and spits you out because Mm. the energy there is like no other. Like when I land there, I'm like, am I in America still? Like, where am Mm. I? Like, I can feel it take over my whole body in a crazy good way. And I know that sounds insane to people who don't know much about the energy stuff or maybe have never been to
1: Sedona, but trust me, the vibes are real. The vibes are so real. It's funny that you mentioned the duality of the vibrations there. As I mentioned, 10 of my girlfriends, we all went out there and most everyone had a really beautiful experience. We did the yoga and the spa and drank wine and and connected with the history, but there were two gals that had sort of the negative Mm. response. Um, One of them was driving this big Suburban with all of us, packed in to go look at this beautiful scenic overlook. And if you guys are listening, Google Sedona, Arizona, Red Rocks, and you'll see all these amazing, beautiful formations. Well, anyway, she's driving up this windy road. We're all in there. We have the music and we're laughing randomly. We were really close to what's known to be one of these vortexes, these high concentrations of energy. She had a panic attack as she was driving the car and we're on the side of this really windy road. And she pulled over, we had to do deep breathing. She was fine, but it was an example of what you're talking about where it's so strong and there's so much happening that depending on what kind of mindset you're in, what mentality, what season, it can either unlock the light or exacerbate maybe some of the more tumultuous darkness. And so it sounds weird, but it is true.
0: Yeah, I'm amazed at that experience to see that firsthand like that. It's insane. If you go there and you're already living in alignment, you find how you can push through and really go deeper. And if you're not, I feel like it exposes
1: all of these shadows and things that you can look at and improve. Well, it's an important place to talk about because it is a place that represents the antithesis of what we see so much on social media these days. I mean, we have talked about backlash against hustle culture being so real. And just after everything we've all been through in the last two and a half years, more of the more and reaching higher and go for broke and shoot maybe even in some aspects like the seller die kind of psychology Mm -hmm. which we can talk about a little bit we all are sort of in this season of trying to figure out who we want to be on the other side of all this and reprioritizing what does feel right for us like how can we chase down our goals professionally our goals for abundance for ourselves for our families giving back to our communities and also preserving some of the beauty of that slower pace of life of some of those deeper juicier questions that we were sort of forced to ask ourselves and part of what you are doing that i am watching with just absolute amazement and excitement and cheering you on so much is you've launched these incredible masterminds and courses and content around sort of how do we best operate in this space of hybrid work where a lot of our boundaries are so blurred. I mean, the personal and the professional and the dogs and the kids, and some people are in the office and some people aren't. And it's just a really complicated, Future of work that's being untangled right now. And so tell us about what you're seeing with some of your clients in terms of how that's exacerbating the existing burnout. Yeah, I've
0: seen so many clients lately who have hit these really nice levels of success. And financially, they're so happy that they're bringing in money, that they have clients that they're serving. And yet, internally at a soul level, they feel so disconnected from life. Mm-hmm. And to the point where, I mean, I've seen it at the extreme where they're getting adrenal fatigue and have issues with their cortisol. And it's literally in blood work. You can see it affecting their health because they're so all in on their business, that they forget that you are your business's most important asset. And without your health, without your ability to show up and be in your best self and your best soul, you can't actually perform at your best. And so Mm -hmm. if you're working all the freaking time, which there's going to be a lot of people who are like, yeah, I work all the time and I'm good with it. That's how I got ahead. That's how I made money. But at some point, it catches up to you. And at Mm -hmm. some point you ask yourself, are you living to work or are you working to live? And which one do you want it to be? I like to work around my life and
1: not live my life around my business. Mm -hmm. It's interesting because first of all, you have one of the strongest work ethics of anyone I've ever met. I mean, I've been to your offices (laughs) in North Carolina. I have worked with you on projects. You definitely hustle your face off, but not at the expense of what makes you shine and what makes you excited and fills your cup. You're not putting it on for Instagram. Like you really have figured out a few strategies and methods that have worked for you, which is why you're now sharing what you've learned with your clients. And I think what's interesting and tricky, really tricky and messy for me anyway, is I feel that when I'm stepping into the space of focusing on my family and my health and my girlfriends and my husband, like, for example, July and August, I took a step back from my business and just took a minute. I just realized that since the pandemic hit, I had not stopped. And Mm. so I kept working. We launched a new website and we checked off a couple of boxes, new speaking reel, blah, blah, whatever. But I would say my pace. I cut it in half and I really tried to soak in the boat time and the lazy beach time. And I visited all of my cousins and my aunts and uncles that I haven't seen since 2019, right? My sister had a baby shower. It was just beautiful, juicy, rich, rewarding personal time. Now, fast forward to September and for the last week and a half, it has been go time because even though I felt like I took that time to breathe and be my business sort of lost momentum and my team kind of took my lead and slacked up a little bit. And so now the last week and a half, I've been freaking hell on Earth because we've been running so hard to get back on track and everything's due at once. And even today, like you're my third podcast and I have five promo videos to shoot and I have a virtual keynote at four and I don't glorify this level of busy i'm not one of those people who is just so excited to tell everyone about how busy my thursday was it doesn't really bring me joy in fact i kind of complain about it and and slip into sort of a victim mode versus victor mode but yet we closed so many deals this week because we turned the burners back on so that for me personally is the rub that's the tension is when i step into my zen i feel like my business suffers and when i double down on Rise and grind, hustle. I do start to begin to feel that my Zen slips away. So, how do we become better at managing the reality that what you focus on expands for good or for worse?
0: Yeah. So, I want to back up a second because you were complimenting my work ethic. Thank you. And I've always been a hard worker. But I was one of the people who let that hard work take over everything I was doing to the point mm. where I got sick to the mm. point where gee, I went from working 10, 12, 13, 14 hours a day and loving it, loving being in the grind, like go, go, go. OK, next day, do it again. OK, next day, do it again. You know, I've seen you. I, went, yeah. I went from doing that to running my body into the ground and getting mm. so sick. All I could do was take on one meeting a day mm. and then I would get so tired. Like, mm. I am so grateful that during the COVID time, things were a little bit slower because it wasn't as noticeable than it would have been if it was now. But I would take one meeting and then I would have to go lay down. And then I would mm. have enough energy to go take maybe one more meeting. Or like, I would be physically there, but mentally I would be so drained and falling asleep. And like, going from working 13 or 14 hours to physically being able to work an hour or two a day is an extreme, I was there and I realized that something had to change. And one of the things I realized was that I didn't have to do it all. You can still get things done without doing it all. If you're an entrepreneur, there's this thing now, it's called delegation. And when you have the right team in place, it works really well. Mm-hmm. And so I look at delegation, I look at automation, like What are the things in my business that I can automate so that it's not always me doing them or someone else on my team can maybe even automate them? And that's helped a ton. And I feel like if you're intentionally living, if you're intentionally designing a business to work around the life that you want to create then you can figure out, okay, you put your non-negotiables in place first. Like I want Fridays off. I like to drum in the morning and and sing and dance and get into like my body and get in touch with myself before I speak to other people. Like that's really important to me. And it's part of my Mm -hmm. self-care or soul care routine. And so if you put these non-negotiables in place, like I'm not taking meetings until whatever time, because that's how you know you're gonna be best well, then you get to create this business around you. And like, we all became entrepreneurs to create freedom. We didn't do this to be our own worst boss. And I see so many people quit their nine to five, go into entrepreneurship, start this company. And then all of a sudden they're their worst boss. They're not taking off for their kids' volleyball game, not going to the soccer game, not picking their kids up from school, not spending quality time with their family, not going on vacations. Like why? You could go work in corporate America for that.
1: Totally. I heard a phrase recently, exactly what you're talking about, where they said entrepreneurs are the only ones willing to work harder than anyone else, just so we don't have to have a job. <laughs> <laughs> That's really good. That is so
0: true. And true. part of what I did at the retreat in Sedona is it was all women. And I got the ladies outside and reconnected in nature. And we did cold plunges in the creek we climbed mountains. We, and you know, like every step of the way, there's a lesson like, yeah, you're taking a step away from your business. And that's really scary. And one of the things that the lady said to me was like, I didn't know how I was going to be able to leave my business for three and a half days. Mm -hmm. And two of the days were over the weekend. Mm -hmm. Like we can't create a business that's going to fall apart Mm -hmm. if you walk away for a hot minute. Cause what happens if you get sick? What happens Mm -hmm. if you get the flu for a week? What happens if like you just need to go take care of family or something? Like we have to be creating
1: business intentionally so that we can step away. To me, Mm -hmm. that's the whole point. Yeah, it's so well said. I was having lunch with a girlfriend here in Orange County who runs a PR agency and she's fourth generation Orange County, third generation entrepreneur. Both her parents started their own companies, So she has it in her blood. And I'm so jealous because I grew up in a family that worshiped at the altar of corporate. Like my dad worked for the same company for 40 years. You know, my brother works for Google. My sister works for the not like my whole family is very corporate. I'm the wild black sheep that no one knows where I came from. Me neither. But I'm always jealous because she grew up in such an entrepreneurial house and she has this beautiful agency. 30 employees, this great office. And I was having lunch with her. And she said, Oh, yeah, I'm just so excited. You know, my husband and I are going to Italy for the month of September to celebrate our anniversary. And the jealousy, I'm not a jealous person. I have a lot of faults. A lot of faults. Jealousy is not my jam. I'm a team abundance. I'm girl power. I'm a girl's girl. I'm always like, there's plenty of money and hotness and fun for all of us. But in that moment, I had a rare moment of like i am so jealous that you're going to italy right now and i did a whole video about it on instagram that kind of caught fire a little bit it was funny because i asked her i was like you know how are you able to just leave your business for a month and go like i could never do that i don't have my company set up to do that yet and she said Erin, it's very simple she said i have been methodically prioritizing this trip for 12 months and every single month I have had a list of items that I've been preparing methodically to get ready so that when the time came, I can leave this business for 30 days. I'm not going to check an email. I am not going to do anything because I put in the work ahead of time to be able to truly enjoy it because because otherwise my dad taught me this entrepreneurs are the only ones that go on vacation and never unplug. And so they don't ever get the refill they need to your point. And I love the term soul care. It's yeah. a great flip. So I learned it from my dad. He showed me that if you are never fully unplugging, you are always plugged in, even if you're halfway plugged in, you're still plugged in and you're not getting what you need to be restoring everything that makes you great at serving your customers, your clients, your community, and ultimately your family. And yeah. so I just thought it was so powerful and looking at her on Instagram now, all her thinks she's in like Como, but instead of feeling jealous, now that I know sort of this backstory, I'm harding oh. the heck out of all of it because she planned for it, she prioritized it, and she made it happen. And I certainly am guilty of worshiping at the altar of of, well, I just can't, you know, and and isn't it interesting, like how many times we are telling ourselves this false narrative of, I just can't, I don't have time for that, you know, Mm -hmm. but it's not true.
0: Yeah. It's, it's so funny. You talked about unplugging one of the girls on the retreat showed up and she's like, you guys, does anyone have this specific MacBook charger? I'm like, no, she's like, oh man, I forgot my computer charger at home. I'm like, Guess it's the universe telling you to unplug.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's so good. It's true though. Yeah, it's interesting. Mm-hmm. So we talked a little bit before we hit record today, kind of about some of the techniques that you've been sharing. So obviously, what I want you to do is transport all of us in this podcast, whether someone's driving to work or getting their steps in or unwinding for the day, take us back to Sedona with you on the retreat. <laughs> Did you have certain moments that you felt really lit up about in terms? terms of grounding exercises or breath work like what were some of the breakthroughs maybe we can learn from from that experience
0: yeah so one of the things that I did was I shared my normal morning routine and it's not the same morning routine you read about everywhere where it's like, I'm going to wake up and meditate and do this and work right out down and gratitude. And no, like it's pretty different. Actually, I look at it as how am I activating my mind, body and soul? So I do things like I drink cacao every morning, ceremonial grade cacao. And I get it shipped in from Guatemala. It's basically hot chocolate. It's straight cacao bean. And it's amazing what cacao does. Like we all know chocolate's a superfood. By the time it gets here, it's so processed that they process all the good stuff out of it. So when you get ceremonial grade cacao, you're actually getting, there's only one kind I drink. I can share it with you if you want. What you're actually drinking is the real superfood, the theobromine that activates your heart and opens your heart. And so I drink that every morning and I set an intention for my day. And you can do this with anything you want. I mean, you could do it with coffee. You can do it with tea. But it's really about like, what is my intention today? And sometimes my intention is to just be present sometimes my intention is to be more loving, whatever it is that I'm going through in whatever stage of life. And so we all did this cacao ceremony and we were like, blessing the cacao and blessing the intentions. And then we went outside in a circle and started drumming. And I had two drums with me and a maraca shaker and someone had a flute and we were just like drumming it out. And I'm not a drummer. I'm not musical. I have no tone. But there's something about just like holding the beat that gets you into your body. Mm -hmm. And we all know that before you can achieve whatever it is you're trying to achieve in business, you need to embody that person who would achieve that. So before you were a speaker, you were already a speaker in your mind. Before you were an author, you were an author in your mind. You said, okay, who do I need to be to show up as this author? Who do I need to be to show up as this keynote speaker, as this business owner? How do you make that connection? It's by really getting in touch with your body. So I find that the drumming is the heartbeat. And it really connects you with your chakras. And it sounds a little woo, but it's all connected to business. We just went through that and journaling. And it was so cool to share an experience like that, where these people had never done anything like that. And then, you know, we went and climbed Cathedral Rock and cold plunged in the creek and all of this before even doing any work. Hmm. And the point is, you can make your morning routine as short or as long as you want. But how are you connecting to your mind, body, and soul every morning before you even get started? And that's really become important to me because I know when I have that grounding, when you are just totally centered in who you are, you can take on anything. Like you feel like
1: you are so freaking powerful that you can do anything that day. So good, Jen. And gosh, I love that idea of switching what you're doing first thing from Okay, my focus, my goals, my to-do list, my gratitude. It's like another system. It's another process Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that we feel compelled to honor, to set up for success. And I love the simplicity of whether it's cacao imported from Venezuelan jungle, (laughs) or it's just your pumpkin spice latte, basic from Starbucks, whatever Mm -hmm. is that already ritualistic moment of the morning, taking it one step higher with a very simple, what is your intentionality for the day? It's a small shift, but I think it really does reframe how you're laying the foundation for the day. I love that so much. Yeah. And I
0: don't make to-do lists anymore because to-do lists feel so like, I have to do this, right? Mm -hmm. I make get to-do lists. Like I get to do it. I don't have to walk the dogs. I get to walk the dogs. This happened because I actually caught myself saying out loud, oh, I have to walk the dogs. And I was like annoyed that I had to walk them again. And then I was like, wait a minute, that is terrible. I love these dogs. They're my children. I get to walk them. Yeah. And so the next time you catch yourself saying like, I have to do this or I have to do that. Like what's going to happen if you don't do it? What's really going to happen? Like odds are you probably don't have to do it, but you get to do it. Even when I have to call AT&T or whatever. No, I get to call them because I have a freaking phone plan that I can afford because I pay for it, you know, because I make money and serve people like it's a nice perspective shift.
1: Mm. It feels really good and really light. I love that you said you hate to do lists because that has definitely been something that I learned actually last year. I was making my New Year's resolutions and I looked back and I think out of desperation that was 2020 where we lost all of our you know revenue and all of our speaking engagements and all of our events and so we were in panic mode we had you know a million dollars of revenue that just kind of vanished overnight and we hadn't set up the business to not be trading time for money yet and like you said earlier What if you get sick? What if there's a pandemic? Like these things happen. We weren't set up. And so we just launched into an operation mode that was on another level because we had to. But also I think it was a form of escape to not deal with a lot of the other fears around the uncertainty and everything that was going on. 2020 finishes, and it's 2021, it's New Year's Day. And every New Year's Day, I go to the beach and I do my gratitude prayers and my woo-woo and my yoga and all this stuff. And I have my little coffee and I make my list of what do I want the year to look like, okay? Not a very original thing to do on New Year's Day, but I love it. And I always look at last year's list to see, well, every single year, shocker, I didn't lose 10 pounds. I wasn't richer, skinnier, all the crap that we write down, right? But it was interesting because this one year, 2021, January 1st, I looked at the list I had made And every single thing on my list that I had promised myself, I'd accomplished. And the craziest thing was, for those of you who can't see, Jen just started clapping. (laughs) I didn't feel successful. I didn't feel fulfilled. Mm -hmm. I actually somehow continued to grow the business. I made more money somehow in 2020 than in 2019, which is insane. But I was so burnt out and exhausted and miserable and lost and the opposite of grounded. And it was so upsetting. It was the worst New Year's Day ever because I realized that I had achieved everything and I was technically successful and made the money and did the stuff, but I did not feel joy or success at all. And so I lost on two fronts. I lost all the time, all the fun. I didn't win there. And then I didn't win at the top of the mountain either. It was a lose, lose. And it was the worst. And so I'll never forget in that moment, I was like, I am done with resolutions. I am done with to-do lists. This is not a path to joy this is not a path to what you think success is going to feel like and so for this year i changed it and i sat on the beach a year later with the coffee with the moment and the waves and instead i made a to feel list Ooh, i love that the emotions the moments that i really wanted to feel i wanted to feel enoughness Mm -hmm. you know i wanted to feel hyper radically present i wanted to feel deeply beyond honored for the work that we get to do versus stressed out about the new keynote content. I mean, it was like feeling, 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 feeling. I have to tell you, I don't want to jinx myself, but like knock on huge freaking wood. This year does feel better. And to your point earlier, you were saying like at some point you saw yourself as an author. You saw yourself as whatever label or identity that you're chasing down. And it also works with, I see myself as someone who is peaceful, who is focused. And I love this idea of sort of marrying a manifestation, but attaching this future vibrant version in detail of the manifestation to make sure that when you get there, it's what you hoped it would be.
0: Oh, 100%. That is so beautiful. So many entrepreneurs think that when they have the money, they'll all of the sudden like, well, when I have the money, I'll feel safe. I'll feel secure. I'll feel happy. If you don't feel happy right now, having that money won't make you feel happy because you're searching for something outside of you to make you feel happy. You need to find that inside of yourself first. And obviously that's a lot harder than it sounds because if it was easy, everyone would already do it. And yeah, I'm not saying we don't need money. Like, please let's go make millions and millions and millions of dollars. I'm all about that. But that money doesn't solve these issues because I meet so many entrepreneurs who get to the million dollar mark, $2 million mark. And then they're like, I still feel the same. Why do I feel that void? And so what I like to do is back it up and look at your values. And values are like family, safety. What are your values? And then as an entrepreneur, since you're creating a business by design, you also get to create your life by design. And you need to look at if one of your values, for example, is nutrition and healthy eating, but you're going to Chick-fil-A and Chipotle a couple times a week. Are you in alignment with your values? What I've seen with a lot of entrepreneurs is that they have these values. They know what they are. You can pretty much recite them very easily, right? Like mm-hmm. I want to be fit and healthy and getting sunshine and taking care of myself. Another one is nourishing my body with food, right? But then they get so caught up in their business and they go into that hustle mode that they stop taking care of themselves. And this is not like a female thing or a male thing. This is an everybody thing. So many entrepreneurs do this where they stop taking care of themselves and they stop paying attention to what their values are. And what you just mentioned, how you want to feel, I bet you, you could relate all of those feelings to your values and really identify what is important to you. And are you setting up your business and your life so that you can live in alignment with those values on a daily, weekly, monthly quarterly annual basis
1: hmm it's so important and I love that you brought up money in such a transparent way <laughs> both of us teach sales and communication and how we can attract more yes into our lives personally and professionally we have very common interests there and a lot of overlap in terms of the support and services we provide let's talk a little bit about money stories I think money stories are a great place to start for anyone listening that has a complicated relationship with money we all do because it's emotional and it's energy and it's It's how we keep score, how we validate sacrifice, how we understand progress, how we justify decisions. It rules so much. And for me, my money story is that I am the first female in my entire family to have made my own wealth i mean my mom was a stay-at-home mom and yes she was ceo of our household but she ultimately did at the end of the day i might not ask my dad for money but you know he was the breadwinner and then my grandmother came from ireland and she stayed home with her five kids and my grandfather was a plasterer they didn't have much but if they needed to buy something you know she didn't have her own wealth and it goes back and back and back and so it's interesting being the first woman in my family to have created my own wealth my own business have agency over the currency of how we exist and it's really impacted my relationship with it and how much confidence Mm. i attach to it and how much identity i attach to it and i just think it's interesting to be aware of how we engage with it where we came from and then where we're heading as well because you know my husband and I are here in Laguna Beach and we live this beautiful life and we have so many blessings and health as wealth we have that which is the most important and I look at living this life as a female entrepreneur and a CEO and you know we sold our company in January and I'm living a life that my mother and my grandmother they could never have even imagined and so I think for me what's been interesting with money is to create these set points success points enough points where if I don't know what success looks like or what enough looks like, then how will it ever feel complete? How will it ever feel accomplished? How will there ever be moments of pause, look back and say, wow, good job, you. Look how far you've come. Can you imagine five or 10 years ago, you, where you are? Like, I don't wanna miss the moments Mm -hmm. of appreciation and honoring how hard it is to create a life by design where the money that's energetically flowing feels positive and exciting and not scarce and scary. So that's sort of what I've been figuring out lately, but what's your money story and how do you think about it in your business and your life, Jen?
0: Yeah. So money is an amplifier. A lot of people think of money as, you know, you've heard the term like, well, money changes you or rich people are assholes or whatever, right? Like if you grew up hearing that, then it will be hard, not impossible, but harder to make a lot of money because you have this idea in your head that, Rich people aren't good. Mm -hmm. The truth is that money doesn't make you good or bad. It's like a hammer. A hammer you can use to build a house, it's a tool. You can use it to build a house or you can use it to destroy a house, quite Mm -hmm. frankly, right? So money can be used for good or bad. And if you're a good person, it's going to amplify the goodness in you. Mm -hmm. If you're not such a good person, it's unfortunately going to amplify the not such good stuff in you because you won't use it for good stuff. Money doesn't make you good or bad. It's not a thing that changes you. It's not, it's a tool. That's all it is. It's a vibration and a frequency. And I was very, very fortunate to have mostly positive money stories growing up. I did hear a lot. Money doesn't grow on trees. The reason I keep referring to things you've heard is because what we don't realize is that as children, um, The things that we hear, the things that we see our parents doing around money, the things that we hear them saying are really affecting us more than we realize they're embedded in our subconscious mm-hmm. so it's not like they came over to me to be like hey Jen money doesn't grow on trees right but i would hear them say it in the background like sure. well, money doesn't grow on trees and i'm like but i thought it does doesn't it mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. you know and so i was pretty fortunate to have some really good money stories my parents were entrepreneurs and they built this amazing business that they sold and did very well and i was pretty fortunate but i've experienced some money issues as I became an entrepreneur thinking like, am I good enough to be making all this money? Can I raise my rates? Because what if I raise my rates and no one buys like that's a money story, you know, so I've experienced things along the way that I've personally had an opportunity to work through and come out on the other side. And so what I've done with that is I've created a free mini course on money and the money beliefs that might be holding you back so that you can break through those income blocks and earn what you deserve. And one other note on money, because it is a frequency, I try to live in the high vibe frequency of money at all times. So the other night we took our clients to dinner, it was $745. Now a nice tip, a 25% tip would have been like 140 bucks, right? I gave 200 bucks. Now someone might say, wow, it's like way more than 20%. I was so happy that I could be able to give more than a 20% tip. Mm -hmm. And I started thinking about just like raising my own vibration. How could this extra money like help him? You know, how could this be beneficial? Maybe it's going to do something for his family that he wasn't expecting tonight. Or like, maybe he'll use it in a good way. And like, all of a sudden, I was feeling like so good. And I looked at him, I'm like, we're a pretty big party. You guys don't add like a tip. And he's like, no, because you're going to give me more. I already know it. We eat there a lot. He's like, you guys are very generous. And even just him saying that, I was like, cool. And sometimes we eat at this taco place at the beach and the whole meal will be 30 bucks and I'll leave another 20 bucks because I know that that makes a difference to these people who are serving the food. And it makes me happy to be able to do it. Maybe it sounds crazy, but it's this trust that if I give out to the world, Without any expectation of getting back, it's just a knowing that I'm going to give out and trust what happens. And so I've been able to shift from these scary money stories in business to just this high vibration Mm -hmm. and high frequency around money that allows me to accept it and use it for good. To me, that's what this is all about yeah
1: well it's so beautiful and it's funny that you share that story. I grew up in a very scarcity mindset family eating out was such a big deal fifteen percent tip was like the most there was never enough of anything and it's just because of the families my parents were raised in I mean they were all immigrants from Ireland they had no money so there literally was not enough so even when they had enough and my parents are fine, they're still like you said we become programmed with these phrases and these mindsets and these experiences. And they anchor on us like clothing that we can't shed from childhood throughout our lives unless we decide to reprogram it and re-examine it. And so I've always leaned so hard into an abundance mindset, almost to an extravagant extent because I want the opposite. I associated scarcity with sad and abundance mm-hmm. with joy. And so I almost over the other way, right? Just like, I truly believe that abundance and generosity, that they are contagious. And even you giving that $200 tip, you believe it's gonna come back because it already did. The joy you felt already I, returned back right joy. then.
0: It's immense joy. And yeah. what you're saying is so true. Like, first of all, you broke the cycle. Yeah. Like, just think about that. Right. Yeah. Because it's not just that these money stories are programmed into our minds, which they are. They're programmed into our DNA. Mm -hmm. You had ancestors who have lived on and on with that mindset. Right. And you broke the cycle for the future generation. And so it's especially important if you're a parent, it is time to break those money story cycles and change them because otherwise you're unconsciously
1: passing them on to your kids. Mm-hmm. It's so true, Jen. It's such a good call out there. And also it's interesting because they're watching and you're modeling this behavior. You have this responsibility that if you do want them to break the cycle, even if you can't, the optics matter. The response matters. Resisting the knee jerk scarcity mindset matters. And, and what we focus on expands, as we said. So, you know, Hartman and I are just like you and Jeffrey. We have donated to so many charities in the past and then we'd always hear about, oh, well, the CEO of this one, Took the salary, or well, this one was just trying to dodge a tax, and we got so distrustful mm. of where is this giving going that we began to do a very. We actually were in Charlotte, North Carolina, wherever that diner is by the movie theater in Uptown. Yeah. and there was a waitress, and our breakfast was like eighteen dollars, and we gave her a hundred bucks and walked out, and she chased us out into the street, and she was bawling, crying hysterically. She has four kids, single mom. She's like, you have no idea. It was a hundred freaking dollars. The point is. We have found that to be a really beautiful space yeah. where you know exactly where it's going. It means so much more to them than it does to you. You get an immediate, mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> generosity is selfish. You get an immediate endorphin lift. We skipped home feeling like the world is so fucked up. And in that one little mini moment, it was a little bit more joyful and it was so actionable and so controllable. And when so much feels chaotic, there's little moments like that. It's almost like I don't know if when you were kids, if you did like the um the doorbell dash, where you'd ring the doorbell and run away yeah. before they came. So we tried to like the tip and dash. So we we (laughs) leave the big tip and then we run away as fast as we can because we don't want them to have to feel like they have to give back with the gratitude, even though Mm -hmm. that's like the selfish part that we get to have, you know, yeah, run away real quick. So they get to just have it as a straight up gift. I love that. I love that. Yeah. So the money stories are interesting, though, especially from a, a traditionally gendered perspective, like even talking about, you know, growing up that my mother didn't work, my dad did. And so money was masculine and nurturing was feminine. And my house was like the most traditional, classic suburban gender roles you could ever imagine. And it's interesting. I never even thought about this till recently. There's a phrase in the Irish culture, the son gets the farm, which basically just <laughs> means that there's still like a very like patriarchal priority that does weave through culturally and other cultures as well, obviously, where the men are typically regarded in a different way in terms of their opinion, their gravitas, how they pass on wealth, how they pass on inheritance and, and my parents, you know, God love them. They're amazing. I love my mom and dad, but they introduced my brother to their financial advisor, but never introduced me to her because they just assumed that Hartman, my husband who works in finance, kind of like had it on lock you know so it's just this interesting wow and they probably even think about it but it's an example of how as women and men masculine and feminine energy tradition roles expectation teachings without anyone even thinking about it like you said we're internalizing them they're becoming part of our genetic makeup and so i think because money is energy and energy is traditionally, for the most part, like masculine or feminine in terms of the qualities, however anyone identifies with those qualities, up to them. But I think it is an interesting exercise to think about, whether it's money or business or relationships or even earlier, like you were saying, soul care or decisions around your work ethic or your planning or your business. Like, asking yourself, am I pulling from energetically a masculine or a feminine space? And I know that you talk a lot about this with your programs and your coaching. So how do you sort of approach that balance and being more intentional around which space you tap into more when? It's interesting because men
0: worked first, right? Men started working in the workforce when women were staying home and they worked in their way, in a way that men reset their hormone cycles every day, every 24 hours, men reset. And so a weekday is set up for a man. Women, and I won't get too into this, but women do not reset daily, okay? Women reset monthly. And so as women, we are trying to work in the same way that men do. And men don't realize for the most part that women operate differently just by our genetic makeup. Because this is the way it's always been done. Back from day one, it was a seven-day work week. That's just what it was, right? Five days of work. That's just how it's been traditionally. Mm -hmm. And so what I have realized this year is I've needed to pull more into my feminine energy. And I think even men could pull more into their feminine energy because the feminine energy is about being in flow, not force it's about asking questions in a sales in a sales situation instead of showing up and just telling it's about being assertive not aggressive that feminine energy happens throughout business and it's more emotional based it's more heart centered in a way because that's a very female energy. And they say that women are better at sales. By the way, I don't know who the they is, but the research says.
1: (laughs) If you Google it, the quote is by Jen Gittimer. (laughs) (laughs) I think that. It's the feminine energy that's better at
0: sales. And you could be a man and be way better at sales because you're tapping into your intuition. You're tapping into your ability to connect with someone at a relationship level and really understand what it is they want and what it is they need and how you can help them and then how you can marry or align the two. So that feminine energy is so important, but because we're in this society where it's like, these protein bars so we don't have to have a real meal, because we're like so fast and doing so many things that we don't have time to sit down and like nourish ourselves, right? We lack a lot of times that feminine energy, we lack calling it in. And so it's a really great exercise to drink the cacao, which is embodying and helping you embody that feminine energy and to do other things that will help bring out your intuition and ability to connect with others on a deeper level Mm -hmm. in a way that'll help you grow your business beyond leaps and bounds and it
1: makes so much sense i don't even think a lot of us evaluate we don't do an energetic audit around how we're operating how we're responding when we do feel exhausted spent stuck overworked frustrated anxious we don't even stop to think Have I been over-indexing in a masculine or feminine space when maybe this scenario or this physical moment or this season actually requires pulling from a different space? And I just think the first question of being intentional about it and asking, where am I pulling from here is probably a great first step just to even think like that, right? Which some people don't even think like that. No, they Um, don't.
0: And I think a lot of women don't even realize that they're operating mostly in their masculine. And I think a lot of men don't realize that they could be even more successful if they pulled in more of that feminine energy. And mm-hmm. I'm not talking about being girly. I'm, I'm talking about like pull in that intuition, pull in that ability to create real relationships, like pull in that side of you that's gonna help you grow the business.
1: Mm-hmm. I have a girlfriend that just came from her house last weekend in LA. She's a big Hollywood producer for all these Netflix shows She's from Texas, super rad gal. And her business partner is a, uh, a male, very well-known hollywood director who has a laser focus on amplifying female stories complicated female stories and it's not like it's because he has daughters or you know he's lgbtq or anything he's just tapping into this beautiful empathetic Mm -hmm. more heart-centered side and his success has been unbelievable i mean he has eclipsed directors that have been doing it much longer than him because he's tapping into this other area and coming from a place that is a little bit more emotional and less like you said earlier so beautifully more in flow and less in fight and so there's example after example that we can pull up but it really is an interesting conversation to have i'm not saying don't operate in the masculine the masculine has served
0: you know entrepreneurs well for all of time all I'm saying is to add in this extra component of that feminine energy that you may not have ever acknowledged
1: or thought of. So good. Ah, uh, well- on your terms, listeners are salivating and they want more, Jen. So, Jen, should they take your course, go to your website, jengittimer.com, the Breakthrough Babe podcast, uh, your incredible masterminds coaching programs. You have so many ways that that if um some of our listeners want to extend the conversation, go a little bit deeper, they can find you on Instagram at Jen Gittimer. Anywhere else they should go to check you out. Your book as well, sales in a New York Minute, which is a great read. So definitely connect with me on Instagram. Let me know you listen to
0: the show and I would love to say, Hey, and feel free to download my free
1: make more money course, janginimer.com slash make more money. Well, Janet, you have made it my day. I appreciate you and your feminine and masculine energy and a business babe breakthrough brilliance. So good to see you. Thanks for being here. Thank you so much. Okay, guys, I promised you a kick-ass episode from Jen, and you got it. She is incredible, and that was honestly just the tip of the iceberg. I could talk to her for hours and hours. Check her out on social, connect with her online, and I cannot advocate enough. Go to jengittimer.com and take her free Make More Money mini course. She helps you break through limiting beliefs around any kind of income blocks that are holding you back so you can start to level up, earn what you deserve, and feel more joy and abundance in both your personal and professional lives. Until next time, friends, I'm Erin King. Thanks for joining me and I'll see you next time. Thank you so much for investing your heart, your mind, of course, your time with me here today. And it is my deepest hope that you have gleaned at least a few new nuggets on how to better live a life that you love on your terms. You can subscribe to see all of my weekly episodes and if you have time, you can send a screenshot of your review of the podcast to onyourterms at erinking.com and you'll be sent a free access pass to my digital persuasion masterclass where you'll learn how to attract attention, increase your influence and sell smarter from behind the screen. I hope that you'll join me next week for another episode of On Your Terms and until then, Let's connect on Instagram at Mrs.Aaron.King. Till next time, friends.